Hello and welcome to the Browns Blitz. Today is Thursday, April 1st, April Fool's Day. I'm your host, Rod Bloom. Joining me today is Walter Deptich, Wojo. You can find him at Brojo Death Punch on Twitter. Wojo, how are you this fine evening? I'm beautiful. I'm, I'm doing great. Very, very good. How are you today? I, I'm, I'm great, you know. Um, weather's crappy, but, uh, you know, this, this is a football podcast, but, you know, I like opening day in baseball. Opening day in baseball kind of always energizes me. It gives me, you know, um, just kind of a feeling of rebirth and springtime and, you know, just, uh, just, just a great feeling. So even though the Indians lost today and some games were canceled and all that negativity, um, (laughs) you know. I, I like the beginning of baseball season, so so I'm I'm pretty good. I love this time of year. It's like it's a it, yes, it's a little cold, but then every once in a while it gets a little warm, and then you're like, oh, it's coming. The summer's here. Now I got to get my beach body going, and I I dig this time of year. It's a, it's that hopeful yeah. season. It's you're out of March. The Ides of March are over. Now you're into the whole. Hey, let's let, summer's coming. May is going to be here soon. We get to go to you know. Go maybe go somewhere on Memorial Day weekend, have a barbecue and hang out, and you know yeah. eventually the the, pan, the 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 apocalypse might be over by the summer. They're saying we're, I'm hearing man, reports. We're, we're heading in that direction. We're definitely heading that way, and I think you know that just kind of feels like like a spring in and of itself. And you know the fact that spring is here and baseball started, um, you know it just it just feels really really good. Yes, so, and I got. And I got my Super Bowl this year, which is the draft, which I always look forward to. So that's a uh, that's a fun one that I'm like, oh, I mean, and that used to be the Super Bowl for all Browns fans. Yeah, but no more. Uh, but but the draft is it's four weeks from tonight. Four weeks. Uh, you know, it, it sounds like a long ways off, but it, it'll be here before you know it. It really will be. Uh, but uh, you know, we're definitely going to talk some talk some draft. Uh, you've been you've been working on that, and uh, uh, we'll get your thoughts there. Before we but before we dive into any football talk, we're going to talk about what we're drinking tonight. And since you're the guest, I'm going to let you let you uh, kick it off um, with with the beverages of choice this evening. So on my left, I got a 32 ounce uh, Dunkin' Ice Coffee. I got I drink it black. It's uh, it's a nice cool. I drink this summer, winter, fall doesn't matter. It's a uh, it's a nice. It's a good wake up call. A little bit of energy, but uh, to make sure I don't get dehydrated from old coffee, I also got one and a half liters. That's a, I don't know if you ever seen a one and a half liter bottle. They make them. A one and a half bad. liter bottle from 7-Eleven of just purified water. I know I spent money nice. on water, folks. Um, but it's delicious. It, it tastes good. Um, I grew up on water. Uh, it was, it's a beverage that I think most people have drank in their lives. So I, <laughs> I, again, coffee and water is basically my go-to and, uh, that's, that's about it. There's not much to tell you about coffee and water. They are the age old drinks of time other than tea. I don't, I drink tea every once in a while, but not tonight. What are you drinking tonight? There you go. I am drinking you know, I do drink a lot of water. I drink water most of the time. I, I drink, uh, I like to drink a beer on the show occasionally, and I'm doing that tonight. I'm drinking, I'm drinking my last Boulevard. Um, this is actually, I guess, a Boulevard and Rheingeist uh, joint venture called Crust Fall. It's a peach berry 
pie sour. Seven and a half percent alcohol, and it's in like a twenty ounce can. So uh, it's got a really delicious. good taste to it. Yeah, I mean it, it's very it's a very summery kind of kind of a beer. So it's it's not the kind of beer I would normally drink all the time. But you know, if you're looking for something refreshing uh, for a summer beer. day, yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it's good. Now saying that, it's probably a seasonal. It's probably not even available right now because I think I bought it a, you know a few months ago. I bought a four pack of it, and this was my last one that was hanging around in the fridge. So <laughs> nice. I'm it's enjoying it's always it. Nice, it's always nice stumbling upon those things, though. It's like, oh, I had this. Oh, I'm gonna go ahead and use this, or I'm gonna drink this, or I'm gonna eat this. Like, I forgot I got this. That's that's why I, I do that all the time. Half my refrigerator, it's it's stuff that it's like, oh, I forgot I got this. I should definitely try this before you know it, it starts growing things, and I now have roommates. Yeah, you know I. I've uh, I've tweeted out pictures of my of my beer fridge. So I, I have a, a refrigerator in the garage that holds pretty much just beer. Ooh. And it, it's been pretty full of beer. Um, I've, I've had to empty it out like at uh, Thanksgiving time. And the last time I emptied it out, I counted over 100 bottles of beer. Um, so it sounds like that, it's like that old drinking song. Like that song. Yeah. Yeah, we could sing that for the next hour. But anyways, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I um, I kind of decided... podcast. They just started singing. Yeah, what happened? We'll save everybody the the pleasure. You know, or, um, yeah, the torture. Anyways, so um, I decided that over the winter I was going to really not buy any more beer, and I was going to try to kind of drink some of what I have in that fridge, and then come summertime, I want to make a trip to you know, to, to the liquor store and buy, you know, just a nice assortment of summer beers and, and kind of start a little more fresh. But the thing is, I haven't really been drinking that much beer this winter. So so I'm making a little bit of progress, but not that much. I don't think I'm going to make a lot of progress until it gets warmer outside and I'm doing yard work out and drinking beer while I'm doing the yard work. <laughs> That's a solid plan. I, I you know, it. I think there is a uh, when you have something like that that you just enjoy, like that's like me and the iced coffee, right? Like I just I enjoy it so much. Like I, you know, the the yard work, whatever I'm doing, podcasting, uh, mm-hmm. writing, it's it, whatever you do. It's having that that go to thing that you you enjoy that you you think about during like you know what? Like I want to try that today. I, I do that with food a lot of the time, and that's why like I started gaining weight like crazy during the pandemic. And I'm like, oh, this isn't healthy. You and, and everybody YouTube, else, yeah. Yeah, YouTube, stop <laughs> sending me videos of people cooking. TikTok, stop sending me people cooking. Pornhub, wow. stop sending me videos of people cooking. Every, everybody's cooking everywhere. It's, it's food everywhere everybody. now. Yeah, and that then you can uh, you know, get this food delivered right to your house, too. That's not, not a good thing. No, I... <laughs> I never did that before the pandemic. And then and then I and then it became a thing you had to do. And I started doing it. And then, like, oh, my God, I look at my credit card bill. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? It's a problem. Yeah, it's, it's I know what you crazy. mean. You yeah. I had to go to rehab for, for Uber Eats. Like a, like a 12 step. But you can't even go to the actual rehab. You have to go to Zoom rehab now. So I, I, I've had to cut down on the Uber Eats and the DoorDash and the Dining Dash, which is a whole other thing. But. Still, like just the eating yeah. thing. I and now, I, now I go to the store. I get a bunch of cauliflower rice, some veggie burgers, things that are gonna like tie me over, and I, I can't overeat because there's no way you want to overeat on veggie burgers. Um, 
No. And then some <laughs> eggs and stuff like that. Excellent. Sounds like you've turned that corner. So That's yeah. Fine. It's the spring. Yeah. I'm so the the it's the summer body thing. You gotta. I'm I'm like oh the beach. Oh, I, I gotta get my bikini body going. Yeah, yeah. Like three months too late. So uh, on this podcast, Wojo, we like to give our guests a chance to talk about their Browns journey as a fan. And I know you you said you're you're in uh, in New York. Yes. So I want to hear a little bit about your story, how you became a Browns fan, and and just uh, you know maybe just um kind of a little bit about about that about that story um you know maybe favorite players uh, games anything anything like that that you want to talk to uh, you know just kind of your your journey as a browns fan yeah so i was see here's the thing so i played football in high school right for about six weeks and i, I didn't know the rules of football i played left turn style um, so I didn't know what the heck I was doing. So I basically football was not a part of my life until I hit my twenties. And then I fell in love with it. Fantasy football, fantasy football got me into it between the league, watching the TV show, the league and all my buddies wanting to do a fantasy league. And it was a bunch of like, uh, it was like an improv TV show. And we were like, Oh, this is crazy. We should do this. We should play. We should be in a fantasy league together. My friends, my friends and my cousin were all into football already. And my cousin played uh, safety at Moravian College, so he kind of like updated me a little bit on it in the beginning. And then again, to football, like when you get into fantasy, you get to know the players. So initially, yeah. I didn't have a team. And then I was like, people were telling me, "Oh, you gotta have a team." You know, now you watch football, you gotta find a team. So my like my first season of watching football was uh, it was the Kyle Shanahan was the uh, OC, Mike Pettin was the head coach of the, the Cleveland Browns. So I don't have a very, very long journey, but I lived through the 0-16 season. And I well, remember hey. that. I did, yes, I did live through the, the Hugh Jackson years. I, I stayed on. I was like, I almost didn't want them to fire Mike Pettin. And then I'm like, uh, and then when they hired Hugh Jackson, they were talking about the Sashi Brown thing. They were going to do in the, the trade downs. I'm like, this, you know what? Yeah, I like this. I'm going to stick with this team. But uh, I, I remember like the first moments of it where I started rooting for the team was like I'm watching that the the Bengals game. Uh, I'm at the gym because this is what I really started. As I really started getting in really good shape in like my early 20s. I used to be a fat kid, and I, I, in my 20s I started like really losing weight, working out all the time. I used to watch football at the gym, and the the game that was on was a Thursday mm-hmm. night game. Was the Bengals Browns game where Ben Tate, Isaiah Crowell, and Terrence West were just running all over the Bengals. Okay. And it was just like, ah, and I rem- and I was like the same season that the, they had the big comeback game against the Titans on the road. So like I started falling in love with this team and I'm like, oh, this is great. You had Brian Hoyer, who we didn't know was a duck at the time, but like at the time looked pretty good. Kyle yeah. Shanahan made Brian Hoyer look good back then. And apparently yeah, he went he to did. San Francisco. People caught on. They're like, oh, no, Brian Hoyer can't play. What are you talking about? So I, I just I enjoyed watching the, the Browns so much. And, I, you know, you find out about the history of the Browns and you're like and I and I, I said, I'm from New Jersey. So people would be like, why aren't you a Jets fan? Why aren't you a Giants fan? I'm like, first off, I, I live in New Jersey. Neither of those teams are called New Jersey. And I refuse to root for a team that that plays in New Jersey and calls themselves New York. And I would tell people that. And then they go, OK, but then how would you pick the Browns? Because there's 29 other teams. And I go, uh, well. I, it's just it called to me like the from from everything from and then I started falling over like I found out about Joe Thomas the greatest left tackle on the planet uh, he you know, I kind of fell in with, with his personality and what he's been doing and I I would listen to his podcast and uh, back when the, he was doing it with Andrew Hawkins and I just kind of started falling in love with this team I, mean, I fell in love with it back even then 
But I remember like the Johnny Manziel years and it was like, oh, like you, you had hope. It was it, the, the, the biggest problem being a Browns fan before Baker Mayfield was the whole uh, you had the you always had a little bit of weird hope. But it was. Yeah. But the thing was, is it always got taken away from you. Josh Gordon was hope, but then he would always get suspended. Like literally every other, like every three weeks, another suspension. It's like he's not even playing. How's he getting suspended? <laughs> I know. What is he it doing? It was horrible. It was horrible. He had the best wide here? receiver in the league, and we couldn't get him on the field. Yeah, I, it's like they pop test, like they pop quiz him every week with a test, and they're like, he keeps failing it. It's like, dude, just stop peeing at this point. Stop everything. Yeah, you could be making millions anything. of dollars. <laughs> I feel bad because he obviously went through a lot and he clearly had some substance abuse issues and it was way more than I than just marijuana apparently, but he you know and he's he's been open about his struggles with uh, substance abuse so I I really do hope him that I do hope for him the best same thing with Johnny Manziel except he seems to be a little bit more like trying to take shit at the Browns like he always tries to throw shit at the Browns every once in a while and I'm like see like. This is the guy. This is a reason why you didn't work out in the NFL. Is that you didn't have the mentality, you didn't have the heart, you thought you were like owed it, and right, right. and it, that was the story behind the scenes where he was like not paying attention, didn't know the playbook. We're gonna oh we're gonna stick him in instead of Brian Hoyer this week, and it's like okay, well now all of a sudden they're not doing well, and he 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 didn't know the playbook. Like, and it's funny because there's a guy in this draft who kind of looks like him. He's like uh, I mean he's three inches taller with Zach Wilson, but he kind of reminds me of Johnny Manziel and the fact that like the way he runs, he takes contact, but mm-hmm. I'm just happy we're past those years. And now we're like, you know, and then, you know, then you had the Hugh Jackson years, which is like, I'll go check the tape. And it's like, it's so weird. Cause in that moment, I, you know, I remember growing up, I didn't understand how people like became so infatuated with their team and how they would defend some of the moves. And then, like being a Browns fan, I defended like everything from both sides. Oh, Sashi Brown was fine, and Hugh was fine. Like, oh. and then you get through it, and you're like uh, an abused victim. Like, yeah, uh, definitely. <laughs> I, uh, I did. I actually... loved, I've loved every guy they brought in so far. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's you 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 fall in love with because you're falling in love with the hope of it. So, and that oh, was yeah. always the Brown story. It was you fall in love with the hope of it. And, and not for nothing, I, I think if they had doubled down, if they had gone Sean McDermott early on instead of going the route that they went with Hugh Jackson, I think it would have been a different history. We yeah. might not have Baker Mayfield. We might not have Odell. We might have a whole different team and a roster. But I think it would have been different. I don't think he would have had an 0-16 season. And right. I, I, I think uh, – but I do love the fact that, like, now you look at the players on this team. you got Miles Garrett, who is – like a, a treasure in his own right. Like I understood he had that one in incident uh, with the Pittsburgh game, but dear God, like one of the most interesting, amazing people to to follow. He's got the dog Gohan. He's just he's such a sweet, gentle guy, and like yeah. uh, the the lover for dinosaurs and D- Dragon Ball Z. And he's kind of like a giant kid, and he's just this. He's like a Super Saiyan man. He's just huge. He's he's awesome. He's just dominating. And then you just look throughout the whole roster. You got guys like that, Jarvis Landry. Well, I know some people who cover the Browns have mentioned like, oh, you know, there's some people who want him out and, you know, think his contract's too big. I kind of agree with the contract being a little heavy, especially in a cap crunch here. But you just look at like who he is and what he brought and he wanted to come here and he's he, you know, even playing here. Yes, I get that he has a huge contract. Well, that was that was a Dorsey thing. Dorsey gave him a big contract because, to be honest, they front loaded the contract with the guarantees and they were going to probably cut him after two and a half years. It's hard to get rid of, you know, your lead receiver when, you know, again, like I know people wanted to get rid of him or get him. I think he'll maybe take a pay cut. 
eventually. I think they'll re- he's another one where they yeah. renegotiate his contract. They mm-hmm. have time. Like they could if they wanted to release him, he's another one where if they wanted to release him, they don't have to do it right now. I don't think they would because now the wide receiver market's kind of dried up a little bit. But I think he's another one of those guys that if they wanted to like turn to him and say, Listen, Jarvis, uh you're making a lot of money. We need to kind of restructure some contracts, but what we can do is make next year a void because he's got two more years on his contract. Yeah. You can make next year a void year, right? So now you get to hit free agency earlier and we lower your cap hit now and we turn a little bit of what you have right now into a signing bonus and basically maybe lower his cap hit by you could probably lower his cap hit for this year almost six to seven million dollars by doing that. And then mm-hmm. he has and he and he has the reason for lowering his salary because now he gets a year off of his deal. You need it when you go into a negotiation like that. You need to have something to give them the year yeah. off the contract earlier to be able to walk in free agency at the age of twenty nine. That's a big deal, especially for a receiver because twenty nine is a you know there's a difference between going out into free agency at twenty nine and going out into free agency at thirty. So I could totally see them going to him and say, listen, we'll turn next year into a void year. You hit free agency sooner, like the Giants did with Nate Solder recently. He could walk in free agency next year. You're not cutting him, which kind of has its own connotation if he's agreeing to it 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 makes it a little bit easier to to, more palatable i think this team is trying to gear towards guys walking in free agency and not having to cut people so right uh with with jarvis and again that's a whole other part of the journey of like i you know between going from the owen 16 season to having jarvis landry on the team and and the even like i I was i thought they were going to draft baker mayfield from that that first john dorsey press conference where everything John Dorsey said in that press conference sounded like Baker Mayfield. I want a winner. I need a guy who's accurate, who has good pocket presence, who's a, a leader. And it everything rang out like Baker. Like it kind of sounded like him initially. And then they started doing the covering up thing. Like they started they started throwing the smoke signals up. Oh, he's got to be big. He's got to have hands. He's got to <laughs> he's got to have three feet. And he's got to he's got to know how to yeah. do you know calculus while he's playing football. So, I. Uh, I, th- this team, the way it's grown over the years, and Baker's uh, Baker's such a big character. They put him on commercials when he was like in his first year in the NFL. Oh, I know. Yeah, it's and he's good at him for the most part. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, like the Hulu nice. commercials, hilarious. The one where they're doing the face swap thing is, I, I think that's maybe my favorite one. I don't care much for the progressive commercials because I, I don't need more insurance in my life. I'm, I'm like, I'm a little insurance <laughs> out. I think we all have enough insurance. Right. Like, I don't we don't all need 30 insurance commercials. We get it. You're trying to sell us insurance. The gecko progressive Baker Mayfield's got to go ahead and sell you insurance. I do like they've added Jedrick Wills to the commercials, which just feels so nice. Like he's another guy who's kind of come off like a character. He's played really well for his first year in the NFL, switching sides. Yeah, you know, I you know, I think there was a little bit of con- like I, people look at the PFF grade and I think they get a, they get a little too infatuated with it. But even his PFF grade for pass blocking was amazing this year. So I, you know, I think he's going to keep on developing for a guy who switched sides, you know, and never played right, a left tackle before to go from right tackle was my favorite tackle in last year's draft class. I was happy when they drafted him. I was excited when I saw him fall to them on the board. I'm like, that's amazing. I couldn't believe it yeah. happened. Yeah. I mean, let, let's talk about him for a second. I mean, people have to be realistic in, in that uh, most most guys don't start as a rookie at left tackle. Okay. And, and nobody else is Joe Thomas. So, you know, you, you can't expect him to be an all pro <laughs> as a rookie. Um, so yeah, I thought he, I thought he did 
did a fantastic job and and I thought that if he played I thought that if he played the full season and played just and just played good you know it, I thought that that if he was pretty good as a rookie out there I thought yeah. you know I thought that would be fantastic I mean because him that and just Conklin, means he's he's gonna do nothing but get better yeah well and him and Conklin are way better than having Hubbard and Greg Robinson <laughs> you think <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I think Kendall Lamb was actually a better tackle than Hubbard at certain points when he when he spot started last year. In fact, the yeah, game that the yeah. the Browns won against the Steelers, where Baker was uh, the uh, in 2019 when Freddie Kitchens was the head coach, the the tackles were Greg Robinson and Kendall Lamb. And I'm like, mm-hmm. could we get those guys back for one game this year? Like, I know uh, Greg Robinson's probably on some kind of like PTI or deferred like program. Can we get him back for one game? Because he shut down Bud Dupree every time he played against him. It was a weird yeah. thing. Yeah. Couldn't like wasn't a great tackle in the NFL, but like Bud Dupree, everybody was talking about they wanted to get Bud Dupree, and it's like he couldn't beat Greg Robinson. <laughs> like, are you guys sure you want to do this? Greg hey, Robinson hey, shut this guy out. Man, the contract he got was way too big. Sixteen and a half million dollars. Yeah, it's way too much for that guy. Titans, man. Titans had a weird offseason. Titans had a weird free agency where they're getting rid of all their corners. Adoree Jackson, you're out. Malcolm Butler, you're out. We're going to go ahead and sign Janoris Jenkins. Who decided this? Well, we're going to play a lot more press man. It's like, okay. And they also signed Kevin Johnson, who was on on the Browns this year. And that was fine. I I actually kind of liked him as a slot corner slash kind of outside spot starter. Yeah, he was decent. He was pretty good. But yeah, I kind of like where we're headed at corner, though. Oh, yeah. Troy Hill's good. Hopefully, Greedy Williams will be back. I'm sure they draft somebody in this draft class because it's a relatively deep draft class. Now the, the corner run might happen in the second round, but I don't think everybody's going to go corner in the second round. I think corner is going to, and they might, tra- I could see them. I don't see them trading up in the first round at all. I could even see them trading back in the first round. Um, but the second round, I could see them maybe trying to like, Oh, we see a little bit of falling talent. We'll jump up and get somebody like we'll trade a fourth to get up a little bit further to get maybe okay. Asante Samuel Jr. Afete Malafangu, somebody who might be in the second round who has a, a high who has a high ceiling who they might like. OK, since we're uh, since we're kind of going as we typically do on this show, unscripted, um, <laughs> no real categories, just kind of jumping around. If the Browns were to trade up. Say they trade up to the anywhere from 20 to 22 or 23. Um, who would it be for? Give, give me a couple names who would fall that you think they would be tempted to trade up for. Because there has to be there have you know, there has to be a couple guys on their board that they would that they would be tempted to trade up for. Because I know a lot of people think that with this class, it's more likely that they would trade down. But in any draft class, there's potential that somebody's going to fall. So who do you think the one or two guys might be that could fall that the Browns could be tempted to trade up and try to grab? Right off the top, it's got to be one of the corners. Either I don't think Patrick Sertain's going to be anywhere. He's not going to fall. But I could yeah. see I could see initially I thought maybe JC Horn was a guy who could be falling because he didn't he didn't have all the hype then he blew up his pro day did really well there he has great tape he's way more versatile than Sertain Sertain basically played one side of the field played left side 
And that was it. But he was really good at it. Like, he's great for, like, a cover three, cover four defense where you just need him to shut down one part of the field, carry guys up the, you know, he, like, he's going to he's gonna be playing great in press man coverage or, you know, if you want to play a cover three zone, whatever you want to do, Sertain's really good at that. Uh, J.C. Horn was way more versatile. They put him in the slot. I could see him going anywhere from, you know, nine to 29 because I could see teams getting a little little worried about his penalties or his his uh his potential for penalties in the NFL because he's very grabby. Mm-hmm. And that's why I thought maybe he would be there at 26 for the Browns or if the Browns were really eager to get him. I know he said he had a, an interview with the Browns. He 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 really liked it. He was he he was every that's the other thing. The, the draft prospects talking about the Browns has been amazing. So many yeah. of them have been like, yo, I had an interview with the Browns. It was awesome. I really hope I get to go there. It's like, you're probably not falling to us now because you just blew up your pro day. But yes, congratulations. We do want you here. And he's, like I said, J.C. Horn would be great because you can probably play him in the slot. Like, say Greedy Williams comes back and he's really healthy. He could play outside corner fully. You could probably switch J.C. Horn into the slot and say you're playing a team like the Chiefs where you have to go up against uh, Travis Kelsey. Not for nothing, J.C. Horn played pretty well against a guy who's in this draft this year who everybody's calling an offensive weapon. Uh, his name is Kyle Pitts. I don't know if anybody's yeah. heard of him. Yeah. Uh, for, <laughs> He's probably going to go in the top what, five or ten, right? I, I could see Atlanta taking him because he's just a different—he's great. Like, But yeah. J.C. Horn held pretty well against him. So— as a, like if you're looking for a guy who could shut down like a, an in like a, a big weapon of a receiver, JC Horn had really good ball skills, played outside. They moved him around to the best receiver on the team. That's not something that Alabama did, but like again, like that's why certain you might not see him going up against the best competition. People might throw away from him. It was a lot hard to throw away from JC Horn because they would move him. They would move him to the slot to you know different sides of the field. He would be in the you know and he would sometimes cover the best receiver or even the tight end in the you know when you're dealing with Kyle Pitts. So that's if there was a guy who they would trade up for, that's my number one because I could totally see them doing it. You now have two big outside corners in JC Horn and Greedy Williams. You have Troy Hill who could spot star on the outside, which is probably more of a slot guy. You could also move JC Horn to the inside and you still have Denzel Ward who by all means is amazing. I just like that. They that team is different. Yeah. Yeah. He played, that defense is different when he's on the field. You, When you know you have Denzel Ward on the field and he's not recovering from COVID they had like a week ago, like he is yeah. amazing. And he can, as long as he's healthy, he's good. So, and yes, that's kind of the problem with Ward the last couple of years is he has had some injury concerns. Oh, his first year he didn't. I, I don't remember his rookie year he had any real injury. I just remember the last two, 19 and 20. He, and he really didn't miss much time last season either. I mean, he missed, he, he only missed time because of COVID. Yeah, so, so he's been. So uh, he, he's been. I, I love Denzel Ward, and I think that's a guy who they have to extend right away as yeah. soon as you can because it's just his contract's just going to keep getting more expensive as you as you get further down the line. So I like Ward a lot. Yeah. Uh, getting a guy like Horn to also be on the team, who you know maybe right. I, I think is probably a, a very good one to start right away, but you don't have to worry about starting him right away, but you can kind of cover up some of his deficiencies because again, they signed John Johnson who I would, I w- really like his game. And I, I again, I, yeah. he was one of the, it was weird because free agency had like five safeties going into free agency. And then none, like one of those five that was really good ended up actually hitting free agency. And he's like, I want to go for the Brown. I want to go to the Browns for a discount. Let's go do that. <laughs> awesome. You know what? Amazing. You're, you're just you amazing. know what? We're gonna give you a. You're already like top book 
free agency win here. And it was smart. Everything Andrew Barry's done this offseason has been great. He hasn't overspent on anybody. He, you know, Tack McKinley, I think, was kind of a, like, I think some people might be underrating that signing a little bit. He's, you know, yes, he's a high upside pick, very low floor, uh, very low risk kind of pick, uh, pickup. And I, he had a good, like, first couple seasons. It's just been injuries kind of been an issue for him. Also, Atlanta, their defense just started being like not good, like all over the place. So you you can't really blame him when nobody can cover anybody anyway. And the defense has just been, and Dan Quinn's not adapting his defense to, to really, you know, be able, like he's playing the old cover three Seattle, which is great. Except a half your, half your guys get injured every year. All, all of them super athletes, but they're all injured. And then you're trying to run the same cover three that you were running back in Seattle, but teams learn, they adapt, they go, wait a second. Uh, if you're only playing one guy up there, we could find a way of, like we can, you can beat cover three. It's not, it's not the hardest thing in the world. So again, yeah. like he never adapted. Whereas like Robert Sala, who's now with the jets, he adapted his scheme partially because of Joe Woods. Joe Woods showed up in San Francisco. and was like, yo, did you guys ever think about putting up two safeties? Like that, you could guys, you guys could do that. You could play cover two, some cover four, even it's a thing. You don't always have to play cover three, but cover three could be your base. And he's like, you know what? That's a great idea. We're going to start doing that. And they started doing it. And it was great for San Francisco. And it was, I think, something that Joe Woods came into Cleveland to do. And it was the intention. Unfortunately, when your starting safeties are Andrew Sandejo, it does not, one of your safeties is starting that's Andrew Sandejo is not always a good thing. Um, I don't think he was signed to be yeah. a starter. You know, he just wasn't. Delta went down. He wasn't. Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, he, you know, he filled his role. He took a lot of criticism. He, he was a soldier. You know, he went out there and played. Every every game, he did the best he could. Um, yeah, he he was supposed to be a guy off the bench. You know, he was he was supposed to be the, he was supposed to be the like veteran in the room to kind of get yeah. everybody like to know the to know where they're supposed to be. Then eventually, what happened was, oh, we're starting you at free safety. All right. Well, his job at that point was making sure everybody was where they had to be. He wasn't athletic enough to truly play free safety. So now you had to kind of adjust your defense. They had to play a lot more zone. Sometimes, you know, again, like I said before, they play some cover four. They'd sl- switch out to cover three. Uh, it was, hey, Andrew, uh, you're going to play a thousand snaps this year now. <laughs> yeah. We Just signed you what? for a one million dollar contract. Um, we're going to get the <laughs> most out of that million. Him and Terrence Mitchell. Like, dear God, those guys. Terrence they Mitchell both played like a thousand snaps last year. I know. It was crazy. Every week it would be like somebody would get injured. And it, and it was like, you're like, there's got to be somebody on the roster who's probably better than Andrew Sandejo. And he just kept going through like, you know, like you never wish right. for anybody to have any kind of injury, but you would just be like, there's got to be somebody else coming in who's going to be able to do this. And they're just not trusting that guy. And then like Sheldrick uh, Redwine played a little bit and he had some good, some bad to his tape. Uh, Carl Joseph had his moments. I think Carl Joseph, uh, who just met with the Steelers this week. So I, I might just refer to him as KJ from now on. Um, just as like. Yeah, right. Like, I'm, I'm, I don't know, KJ. Like, you know, if you go with the Steelers, you're not going to get your full name back. But if you go somewhere else, I won't hate you. I'm just going to say, just don't go with the Steelers <laughs> if, if you're listening to this. Uh, no, like, and listen, he's got to get his money, too. Like, I, I I don't hate anybody for going to get their money and getting keeping nah. their job. But he if they brought him back, like if they were their plans were to keep him back, I think they would have maybe played him more at weak side linebacker because he was playing really well against like near the line of scrimmage. So. I, Joseph, I yeah, Joe. yeah, I mean, I like him as a player, um, but yeah, and obviously John Johnson's going to be a big, big upgrade. 
Oh yeah. Well, he he's so oh, versatile. Yeah. He could play single high. He can drop down in the box. You know. Then you also have Delpit, and you're going to see what he comes back as. Ronnie Harrison was playing amazing at certain points last year, and he got injured. Like before he was injured, he was one of the top three players on the defense. And I could just mm-hmm. remember that one game. Was it uh, was it the Colts game? He got the interception off of Philip Rivers, and just took that in for the pick six. Like again, there I was think so. so that was like again every he. He played really well. That was a great pickup by Andrew Barry to go ahead and trade a fifth rounder for for a safety that ended up being really good for them when he had to start. Um, and now this team's just kind of gelling together. You have three safeties you feel good about. You still have Sheldrick Redwine and MJ Stewart on the roster. I don't think either of them are guaranteed a spot, but Redwine's been an okay like depth guy. Showed a little bit his first year, but then didn't do much last year. But might have been like you know adjusting to the defense. Uh, MJ Stewart was just a guy we claimed off a of waiver, so he might be here. He might be like the backup slot corner. He might be a special teams guy. He might be a safety at some point. So the team yeah. overall, I'm very excited about. I kind of I like oh, yeah. I like what they have and the amount of ways they can continue to upgrade and the way they've been smart about it. You know, the, the the position they spent the most amount of money at was a position that's devalued in the NFL at safety, which is might be like, again, when you look at safety contracts, like the guys who got franchise tagged who were safeties only spent $10 million to be franchise tagged. Like, that's not a lot of money when you compare it to paying no. $18 million for a corner or $15 million for a corner. Right. And, and you see what those guys do and how they affect the defense. And then not only that, but John Johnson's the kind of guy who's like a, who could be a play caller. Who's going to be the shot caller on the back end and telling people where to line up and being like, listen, we're going to switch to this. We're going to run a we're going to run a blitz package instead because this is what they call. We're going to check out of this. So now you have your QB of your defense. Uh, and again, getting Delpit back is going to be huge. Getting, you know, I, if, if Delpit and or Greedy come back to some level, if only one of them comes back to some good level, it's still a win for them. So I, I, oh, overall, I love this roster and where they're going. It's it it's uh and like I said before, all characters. I mean, the one thing I'm gonna miss, I'm gonna miss Larry Ogunjobi. I thought he was a cool dude. He didn't. Oh yeah, I, I think he was. I, I I like he was Larry o, but um, but yeah, I mean, you know, well, I think we knew paid. going in that that they were gonna they're gonna look at upgrading the defense pretty much everywhere. So a lot, most guys were not safe. You know, outside of Miles and Denzel Ward, most of these guys weren't safe um, on the defense. So. Um, you know, I'm not, not surprised that they're that they're looking in another direction. I, I want to get back to the to the draft. So you, you mentioned JC J. Horn. Are there any guys at any other positions you think that the Browns would be tempted to move up for? Um, so edge, edge guy rusher. or or anybody else? Um the primary one would be edge rusher, and I feel weird about it because the top three edge rushers, in my opinion, are Jalen Phillips, Quiddy Pay, and Azizo Jalari. Uh, Jalen Phillips has concussion issues, so yeah. I don't know how teams are going to rate that because with concussions, uh, the five year, uh, quote unquote survival rate in the NFL for a player without concussion issues is 36%. And if they do have concussion issues, it's 11%. So you have to feel like that player is three times the player of everybody else on the board to be taking him. Like, yeah, that's... I see him going to the Browns in a lot of mocks too. So I think a lot of people think he's going to be there at twenty six. But I'm like, he probably yeah, will I'm kinda, be. Kind of concerned about whether he's the right pick or not at twenty six. I mean, his this... tape's good. He he's got the best tape for any edge rusher in this class. He he like at what everybody thought Gregory Rousseau was. It's funny because they wore the same number at Miami, and then Gregory Rousseau opted out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can watch them both wearing the same number for Miami. 
and playing two different years, you watch like different, like some of the similar uh, opponents, and you're just like, oh wow, these are two different kinds of player. Like Jalen Phillips knows exactly like ha- has a pass rush like uh, plan when he gets on the field. He can beat you on the inside, the outside. He can bull rush you. He is the most complete pass rusher in this draft class. But the medical red flags, I think, are going to just scare some teams away at least until like maybe the second or third round. Um, teams that are more likely to take risks, teams that have more premium picks, like the Miami Dolphins, I could totally see taking him because they have multiple first-round picks already. They could even yeah. possibly accrue more, and then they also have multiple second-round picks. So, again, yeah. like getting a guy like Jalen Phillips for them would be a huge improvement on their roster because their best edge rusher is actually Emmanuel Ogba, who we're all uh, quite familiar with, yeah. and he's developed really well. Um, and I, I, I miss him, too. Uh, Manny, call me, man. Uh, but no, seriously, right. uh, with Jalen Phillips, he's, I think, the best edge rusher in this class. Aziz Ojolari, I love. He's also, he's up there for edge one. And I could see if he's falling, and he's the number one edge rusher on their board, and he's like in that 20s range, and they want to get ahead of the Steelers and the Jets. I could see them trading up to get Aziz Ojolari. I don't think they would spend a lot to do it. It might be like that second, fourth rounder they have. I could see them trying to be like, I move up a up. few picks, maybe the 23 or 24 or something like that. Yeah, somebody oh. somebody who's kind of like, hey, you know what? We're, we're not overly eager to take Aziz. We don't think he fits our scheme. Um, teams that are maybe... I, the problem is, I don't think they're going to have to worry about it because once you get to 20... 21, 22, 23, outside of the Jets, I, they all in the offensive line. So once we get to the like once we get to 19 and 20, once the once the Titans pick, I think we're safe mm-hmm. with whoever's on the board that that would fit the defense for, that we would for like. Defensive end. For defensive end, once the Titans are off the board, because I don't like yes, the Steelers could take Aziz Ojolari. They could take Quiddy Pay. They could take, you know, guys who or they could take JC Horn. They've probably met with all those guys. You think Quiddy Pay is gonna go higher than that? I think he'll be the first one taken. I think he'll go 14th the Minnesota Vikings. That's okay. they uh, I know a lot of people mock them uh, uh, offensive line. But if you heard uh, Zimmer at the end of the year, his big complaint this year was they couldn't get any pass rush going. So a guy like Quiddy Pay, who fits the the measurables for their for their defensive scheme, can, you know, can play a four three end and is really built like a four three end. I think they would like a lot who, again, has some very good athletic measurables. He didn't get the test on the, the three cone this week at his pro day. But there is they did like a video like a month or two ago of him te- getting ready for the three cone. And he blew out the three cone. I don't know if that's listen, I don't know if it's I don't know if you put out that video ahead of time to go ahead and not do well at that at your pro day. So I I tend to I would maybe believe that because if he if he did it at the pro day and he didn't have the hamstring injury. And then mm-hmm. he kind of like ran a seven five zero. Everybody's gonna be like, "What the heck's going on?" You posted a video that you did this like a six. You were in a six eight six or something in the three cone. Now you're do, running a seven point five zero like Gregory Rousseau. So, um, I think there's gonna be a long list of teams that are gonna take offensive linemen. There's gonna be a run because the Colts, even the Titans, because they got rid of uh, Isaiah uh, Isaiah Wilson. They they released him. They cut. Uh, oh no, they traded him, and then he got released by Miami. They cut Dennis Kelly. So I think once they get to 20, I think the Browns are going to be like, and as long as the board looks kind of nice for them, the one way I could see it is if they see an edge rusher falling, like their last big edge rusher that like out of maybe their top four, maybe they, they see him and they go, all right, we really like this guy. We think he could be good. 
Um, because number four on my list is Jason Oe, and he's kind of in that weird middle tier. He's not like one of the top three where I feel so so safe taking him. Yeah, but his athletic profile is so great, and he yeah. and he won a lot of his pass rush reps with being relatively new to being a pass rusher. Like he fits a very similar mold of a guy like uh like a, a Ziggy Ansa from a few years ago. And you um, run like a four four or something. Like a four like three. That. As pro day. Now everybody's running four threes, but this was expected. <laughs> like this is kind of an expected four three. Like also Penn State guys run four threes like in their sleep. Like they just run to the store. They're going to the store and they run a four three. Like it's every Penn State guy runs a four three. The field's at- downhill and and with a stiff wind behind them apparently. Or something. Yeah, but even when they're at the, <laughs> even when they were at the, like the what's called the. Uh, What's the uh, the combine a few years? Uh, every year, there's always somebody from Penn They're State who runs a full three at the combine. They just they they, yeah. they somehow develop athletes very well. Like it must be the training conditioning there that's really good because or something in the water. Um, who knows what they put in the Penn State water? It's maybe lead, maybe something else. Maybe that's what's helping yeah. them out. But they they all run four threes. So Mike Gesicki ran really well a few years ago. Uh, Troy Apke, Saquon Barkley. They always have guys who are just oh, amazing yeah. athletes. So Jason Owe and Mike Parsons running really well at their pro day made sense. It fit with what their what their tape showed, what they are able to do, what's been reported previously. So it kind of all lined up. So with Jason Owe, I just you look at that and like what he and again, like the three cones hard to fake a little bit. That That's kind of more. So the numbers we're getting on the three cone were really solid for Jason Owe. Um, Micah Parsons had a great three cone as well. I mean, he could probably be played as an edge rusher, Micah Parsons. I don't know if I'd really want to try that because there's a reason why they put him to to a off the ball linebacker. Mm-hmm. But Oway Oway might be the last of that four that I'd be like, oh, this guy could be like the first round edge rusher in this class because for the Browns because he had a high high level of uh, pass rush like wins, but he didn't get a lot of sacks. So he he had zero sacks this year. Now keep in mind, Penn State didn't play like a typical you know, length season as a lot of teams didn't. Right. But, right. Uh, and he's, he had seven, I think he had seven sacks over the, the two years prior or the time before that. He, he has enough sacks as like, he doesn't, for a lot of people, they might worry about that. Cause he doesn't have like, he doesn't have a lot of sacks in college, but uh, I think there's a lot, a lot less to be said about sacks because sacks, I think are a team stat. It's everybody has to be doing their job for you to get a sack. Like, Think about like Miles Garrett. If everybody's double oh, yeah, Miles Garrett, yeah, I mean Miles gets triple teamed, and other guys get sacks. I mean, you know, it absolutely is a team stat. I agree with you, hundred percent. So it's really coming down to: Are you being double teamed? Are, are you winning your pass run? You know, when you're one on one, are you winning? And he does that. He does that really well. He might not be able to finish, but he's you know, again, if you have a guy like this who scares everybody just by his athleticism alone, and you can develop him, and then on the other side you have Miles Garrett who's just a game wrecker. That's going to cause a lot of headaches for a lot of teams. So I, I think that might be the guy who they target towards the end of the first round if there's a run of edge rushers. Um, but those are like the last yeah. guys. I, if Woody Pay fell, shockingly enough, if, if say the Vikings took an offensive lineman and they waited till the second or third round to take a, a defensive lineman, um, then I could see Quiddy Pay maybe falling a little bit more. Maybe they try to trade up for him because he kind of would fit that defensive end mold. But I can't see him falling too far because there's so many teams between. 10 and 20 that would love quitty pay and yeah and he's almost just, he's probably going to be the first edge rusher off the board 
Yeah, so. that's kind of my feelings on it, too, just because Aziz Ojolari is a little bit smaller, so some teams are going to be kind of shying away from the mm-hmm. size metrics, and he didn't test out of, out, like, when he tested his pro day, he didn't test amazing. He tested really good. Like, he didn't have a Rousseau day, which, again, we'll, maybe if you want to talk about Rousseau, uh, he he's a guy who I think is going to fall to day two. I, you know, I don't think he's going first round. He's... I didn't. I didn't think he was a first round prospect before. I thought he was like. I thought he was top fifty, and I thought he might uh, go in the first round. But I thought there were other guys who did things better. And one of the bigger risks with Russo was when he played last year in twenty nineteen. He was like two forty five, maybe two fifty. And he's like said this. I think he was on some show where he said, "Oh, I was playing like in the two forties," and then now he's measuring in at two sixty seven. And first off, you're going to lose explosion doing that. We never and the way he won in college, a lot of his sacks came up against centers and guards, not against tackles. And when he's playing against yeah. tackles, you can kind of see him not really fully winning off the edge. And sometimes like he, he'll get some wins off the edge, but it wasn't like his his best thing that they would do is stick him over the center, have him playing zero tech. And just trying to bully guys and just like, hey, get to the quarterback. And that's mm-hmm. fine when you're playing against the UPS drivers of America. It's not great in the NFL where guys are paid to stop you. And they're like, yeah. listen, <laughs> yo, man, we're not letting you by. We're not some guy who's going to be delivering packages in December. We're here to play. And like that, that's what's going to be yeah. his issue in the NFL. He could develop, and I think he's going to develop pretty well eventually. Because he's got size, he's got length, but I think it's going to take a little bit more time. Uh, his three count was horrible. It almost looked like he didn't. He put too much emphasis on gaining weight and getting bigger and not enough on maybe testing a little bit better. And again, he was an opt-out. So you're now spending a year away from him, and you have other guys who kind of climbed up the board, showed a lot more on tape, um, showed a lot more technique. His technique was not the best. Like I said, if you watch him, you watch Jalen Phillips, you see two different kinds of players. Guys who are winning with two different totally. And then Jalen Phillips also tested out the, he's going to be a weird one. Like he can go anywhere from like 15 to 50 to 150 because it's just going to be like, I don't. I, he'll go in the top two rounds. I think, at latest. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. So you think uh, you think uh, Jason Owe is probably going to go end of the first. So he'd probably be there at twenty six, or maybe the Browns even trade back a few spots and still take him. If the Browns were to, uh, you know, say J.C. Horn falls to them at twenty six, or they trade up a few spots to get J.C. Horn, or or Greg Newsom or somebody like that, and they take a corner in the first round. Who are they looking at for their edge guy in round two? E- even if they decide to move up, say say they use one of their third or fourth rounders to move up in the second round. Um, who do you like? Who's uh, maybe you know a couple spots below OA? So if they if they don't get OA, like OA's off the board, and they're they're in the second round, they're waiting for somebody to fall, or maybe they're trying to trade up. Um, the second round is a very intriguing one because you have guys like Carlos Basham, Joseph Osai, who athletic profiles look really good, but they didn't really win a lot in college. Like they were, their pass rush win rate was relatively lower, um, which is like, again, how many times are you beating the guy in front of you? Um, but like the, the next tier of edge rushers from Carlos Basham, Joseph Osai, Ronnie Perkins, Peyton Turner, all kind of have a range of outcomes. Peyton Turner hasn't had his pro day, so I don't really know what his measurables are going to be. He's kind of he could be an interesting one because he's going to probably weigh in minimum two seventy. Um, and I think a lot of people do like him as like a top sixty pick. He didn't play against a lot of high end competition. In fact, some of the uh, neither did Ronnie Perkins, but Ronnie Perkins was winning 
pretty consistently at the same rate that Aziz Ojolari and Jalen Phillips were winning their pass rush reps. That's what uh, Ronnie Perkins was doing. So mm-hmm. I think Ronnie Perkins is an option uh, out of uh, Oklahoma. Uh, Joseph Osai is an option, an option out of Texas, which I, my issue with Joseph Osai is, listen, at least he's athletic. Um, so he's probably like, he kind of reminds me a lot of Bud Dupree where he might not win the one-on-ones really well. He didn't, and he didn't do well against top-level competition. Whereas the reason why, like, you'll hear me say I love Aziz Ojolari is I saw him do it against guys he's going to be playing in the NFL. So that guy I know can do well. Owe I think will do well because I think just the athletic profile. Osai, I mean, the good thing is he's relatively new to the position, so you're you're probably looking at him going like, you know what, he could develop a little bit more. He's a little lighter though. He's like, I, I mean, he's about the. He's actually not too light. He's in like the two fifties, so he's not. But he's a. He, I think his, his best fit is in like a three four outside linebacker. Now it's kind of you know rushing from a two point stance. That's kind of starting to become a little bit muddied nowadays in the NFL, where you're just looking at guys and you're going like, you know what, like, like who can get to the quarterback? Yeah, who can get to the quarterback? Yeah. You know, whether you're rushing from a two-point stance or a three-point stance, we're just going to put you in the right position to succeed. Whatever works for you, um, right. you're better off rushing from a two-point stance, which they might like that, uh, then they might use a guy like Osai. Like, I, I think Joe Woods is very malleable. We saw it last year. We saw him uh, use a lot. Of, though He would often drop his defensive ends into coverage, which I'm not always a huge fan of, but sometimes it does create a little bit of havoc, especially if you can play man coverage and you can blitz. And you, you can maybe do like a drop, a DN drop and blitz where actually that kind of happened in the first Ravens game where they dropped Clay's Campbell. And that was Baker Mayfield's interception was Clay's yeah. Campbell went ahead and dropped yeah. into the zone and caught an interception. So, right. yeah, I, I recall that. That's for sure. So. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that that's one that's one. uh that's one way to look at it is, uh, you know, if the Brown, I think we pretty much covered if the Browns go uh, defensive end, you know, first or second round. So it, it, um, I think they could, I also don't think that they are tied to going defensive end in the second round either. If they don't go in the first no, round, no. they, you know, a lot of these guys could go way before them. Uh, they might not like Carlos Basham. I liked Carlos Basham's film. Very athletic. Tested really well today. Uh, I think today or yesterday was his pro day. Um, I think that he... The problem is is the age. Uh, The Browns seem to have a guardrail, and he turned 23 back in December. So he'll be 24 at the end of the season. They might not like somebody who's a little bit on the older side as far as the defensive end goes. Um, So I could Hmm. see them... You know, if if they miss out on edge in the first round... You know, there's still options out there. Melvin Ingram's gonna is still a free agent, as far as I know. Uh, I think so. Jadavian, yeah, yeah. Jadavian Clowney's still out there. There's guys later on, like I said, Peyton Turner might even fall to the second round. Gregor Rousseau, uh, I I would be eager. I would if he's there in the third, I absolutely would take him. Joe Tryon, a guy who I I I, I get why people like him because he's got a very good lateral ability. Like again, guys maybe mm-hmm. might even be into the third round in this draft class because. People are going to be all over the place. They might go, you know, corner and then receiver because you could see them going for a guy who maybe adds a little bit more energy or like a little bit more uh, speed to the offense. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree. Um, how about uh, let's talk corner round two as far as who you think. You know what? I, um, 
Eric Stokes, I want to get your thoughts on him because he he had a great pro day. He ran like what four two something or something like this. Um, you know, I I thought that would put him into the first round. I mean, there's several corners already expected to be in the first round, so I, I still don't know if he's a first rounder or not. And man, um, you know, he's got the size and the speed and everything. Um, I wonder how how far down he's going to go. I mean, it, there's only so many picks in the first round. It's just crazy with the numbers and and the workouts these guys are putting up, um, especially at corner. It's it, I think yeah. defensive back is is if you look at the last few years, defensive back is sometimes the hardest uh, position to guess where it's going to go in the first round because different teams have different requirements for their corners for their safeties. Uh, you know, like you might never see some years you might not even see a safety in the first round. I think last year I don't think a safety went in the first round. Um. And then some years you might see corners drop. You might see a corner that goes in the first round you weren't expecting in the first round. Last year it was mm-hmm. no egg mahogany. I didn't know he was going to go in the first round. I thought he was more of a second-round guy. Um, yeah. But Miami took him because they felt like he fit their scheme. So right. with Stokes, he could easily be a guy who a team might look at his athletic profile and they go, you know what? This guy can run 4-2-5, so he's not going to get, you know, we, we could coach him up. And we could utilize his athleticism. And then some teams are going to look at him and go, you know what? Like Tyson Campbell, his teammate ran a four three and played better in a lot of in some games. So maybe we look at him and we go, you know, maybe Tyson Campbell. Like the corner class is also kind of relatively deep uh, yeah. in this yeah. in, this year. Without a true like, there's no Jalen Ramsey talent, but there's a lot of intriguing guys. Like again, like the top three guys: Sertain, J.C. Horn. Uh, Caleb Farley is probably going to fall out of the, uh, could possibly fall out of the first round, depending on how teams feel about his medicals, uh, right. because he's going for his second back surgery and it's a micro discectomy, which is not that big of a deal. But the question comes down to, you know, is it the same disc as the, the last time you did it? Is this the same issue? Is it a different issue? He also opted out this year, so he didn't play this year. So you might see Caleb Farley fall to the second round, a guy who not for nothing on tape. And when you add in his athletic profile and what he can do in zone coverage uh, might be the best corner in this class. And I think a lot of people had him as their best corner in this class. That's why he opted out was, Hey, I'm going to be a top 10 pick. Why am I going to risk getting COVID and, you know, potentially losing lung right. capacity? I'm, I'm already running four, two fives. I'm already one of the top end athletes in the, uh, in college football. I play really well. I do really well in zone. I have the athleticism to play in man. Why would I go ahead and go back to Virginia tech where to be honest, I'm probably going to get another 20 reps of playing man coverage on tape, maybe like 50 if I'm lucky. And then the yeah. rest are going to be me playing super off coverage. Cause Virginia tech's defense is just kind of like, Oh, we're all playing off coverage today. And college off coverage is like, they're playing 10 yards down the field. It's like, if, it's like if Greg Williams, like, remember when they used to put Jabril Peppers 30 yards downfield? It's oh, like you yes. do that with oh, everybody. Gosh. So I I get why he came out. I, I get why he opted out. He might fall to the second. Um, you know, Eric Stokes, again, the athleticism is going to intrigue people. But I think because of this class, there's a lot of guys who are really athletic. So they're going to start looking at guys. Like, what's the differentiator here? How is this guy? Can this guy play both man and zone? How, you know. Uh, how are his ball skills? Like, I, I think Stokes, the problem was his film doesn't really necessarily look like he is a four, two, five player. Um, just because okay. he tested really well. Um, Kelvin Joseph is a guy who might be rising up draft boards because people finally got to see like what his athletic profile was. Um, he was a guy who was kind of quiet initially. He was, a, uh, you know, I, I mentioned before he had the, he, he went from LSU to Kentucky 
And then people were like, oh, you know, like uh, nobody really heard about him. And then he started popping up. Mel Kuyper put him on one of his top five lists. And everybody's like, who's this Kelvin Joseph guy? And people saw his tape and they're like, this is really good. Why is he not considered a first round pick yet? And part of it was is he had some off the field. Um, potentially, like, uh, you know, when he was at LSU, there, there was uh, something he got suspended for. I it might have been a, a, a it might have been a drug test, but I'm not quite sure on that. So I don't want to mm-hmm. be quoted on that. But there's something along the lines where he got suspended for the bowl game. Went to Kentucky. He's gonna. He's a guy who tested out really well today, uh, this week as well. So again, another corner who's going to be, you know, potentially vying for a spot. You have Asante Samuel Jr., who didn't test super well, but just tested well enough to play corner in the NFL, but isn't as tall as everybody. So everybody's going like, well, you know what? He's five ten. You know, we can't have a five ten corner. That's just like all over the NFL. Literally, like Denzel Ward is five ten. Because the rest of the class is like all six foot six two. It's kind of yeah. just unused, very unusual. And like, I get, I get it. I get why some, and again, his athletic profile wasn't the best, but he was solid. He, like he, yeah. he hit all the stuff he had to hit. So I'm, I would be okay if they took him. I like Asante Samuel a lot. Um, He definitely developed really well this year. And like, you will watch games where you, some of these guys, you will watch game tape of other players and they will pop on their film. And that's Asante Samuel was that way for, uh, if you're watching any kind of Florida Seminoles game, it's just all of a sudden you're watching, uh, you're watching, uh, say you're watching Marvin Wilson, all right, D tackle. You're trying to check out his tape, and all of a sudden Asante Samuel's got two interceptions. You're like, oh, well, <laughs> all right, I'll be back to check him out later. Um, and again, like a Fetu who's got his name out there, the guy from Syracuse. Uh, you know, he he has had uh, his tape was harder to find initially because Syracuse. You know, not everybody's thinking about Syracuse initially, but he's big. He's long. His brother was in the NFL. Uh, Obi Melifonwu. He played safety and kind of like I don't know what happened, but because he went to the Raiders and he was with the Patriots, and now he's, I think he's with San Francisco. But he was a second round pick who kind of like ended up not really landing, partially because of injuries. But with Fetu, he plays corner really well. Um, they play a lot of off coverage at Syracuse, but when he is playing man coverage, I mean, he sticks to his guy. Like I kind of, like I was initially kind of like skeptical to uh, Fatu Melifonwu because you start watching them play and you're like, oh, you know, is this just another, you know, Kevin King kind of guy? He's just be this big long corner that they're going to run a lot of cover, cover three with, um, which is fine. Like, you know, you're hoping you could find those guys and he tested really well. And then you watch some of his tape. Like he went up against, uh, Diami Brown, a guy who, you know, some people have him as a, a, a top, you know, like a high second round pick wide receiver. So I think Chris yeah. Sims had him as like his top, I think his top three receiver, top two receiver something, something crazy. He had wow. Diami Brown really wow. high. And I'm like, I like Diami, but I don't know if I'm that high on him. And like right. Afetu Malafawu was fighting with him pretty dang well. Like, I got to tell you, like if you watch the Syracuse uh, NC uh, State film or uh, uh, the Tar Heel film, it's amazing to go ahead and watch these two guys go at it because you're watching two NFL players go against each other. And you're like, you see a Fetu Malafonwu tackling a guy, like tackling him, you know, when he's catching it short and playing in zone. And like when he is matched up in man, he could stick with him in man. So uh, I, yeah. I dug it. I think that a Fetu Malafonwu, I, I was initially a little skeptical. He's, he's probably going to be a guy who goes a little bit higher than we expect. And like I said, there's, there's, then you mentioned Newsom. Newsom's got great tape, great uh, awareness. The issue with uh, Newsom, though, is that he has not played a lot of games, partially because of injury. So some teams mm-hmm. might be a little worried about him for that. 
Um, I still think he's probably going to go relatively high, depending as long as none of his injuries were like long lasting injuries. Plus, his his film's more recent. So, for instance, Caleb Farley might fall behind him because, listen, we saw at least we saw Newsom play this year. We didn't even see Farley play this year. So right. there's going to be a lot of corner corner can go anywhere from like you could have your fifth corner. He can go, you know, three like there's there's guys that are just going to go all over the place. Um, there's Marco Wilson, I think, who, you know, had his pro day today, who I think people are going to start catching up on because again, he's, he, he's, uh, people probably weren't even paying attention to him. There's some guys that like outside the NFL, you might not hear their names too often. And then like all of a sudden they'll have a good pro day. And now, cause we used to have this back when we had the combine, people would just suddenly like, Oh wow, wait a second. This guy had a great combine. What's yeah. the news on this guy? So I, I think it is film now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so a lot. Of, take Allen's a guy that uh, he had his pro day today, as 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 well as Aaron Robinson. Um, you know, for UCF, those are guys who are probably going to go second, third round. Um, take Allen might go later because I think some some people are totally sleeping on him because he, again, he's a guy who opted out because he had a, a child who had uh, I think th- th- there was there's some kind of developmental reason for the child where he did not want the child around anybody who could potentially have COVID. Uh, so oh, okay. he was another one that that's like, Hey, listen, like I, I did this for my family. I opted out. Uh, he tested pretty well. Uh, Aaron Robinson kind of guy has been kind of quoted as being a slot corner potentially in the NFL. He yeah. tested really well. So you're talking about a really athletic slot corner. Maybe you take him, you know, third round or something. Right. Th- there's going to be defensive backs throughout this class. I could see them drafting two or three because there's going to be a lot of them. You know, there's safeties who can also kind of be slot corners, whether it's Elijah, you can never Morgan. have too many DBs on your team. No, well, not not in today's <laughs> NFL, not at all, because uh, no. everybody's no. throwing. It's it's a pass happy league. Uh, I think my big worry, actually, as far as this team goes, is defensive tackle. I, I really still question what's the what's the game plan. You know, if we're gonna ha- try and draft a nose tackle, um, because Andrew Billings is only on the Browns for one one year, and he opted out last year. So now you have the risk of what if he's not good enough. Because like, you don't know what he was doing when he opted out. You know, I'm sure the Browns kept tabs on him and everything. And he's, you know, he's a professional player, so he's probably keeping track of all his stuff, uh, yeah. knowing that like his 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 money is still on the table there. And we've seen guys go away and come back, but he's not. He wasn't like a high elite level signing, like say Trent Williams, where Trent Williams went away for a year and they came back and he was still the, like one of the top like three tackles in the NFL. So, uh, you know, Andrew Billings was a solid nose tackle, had a little bit of pass rush to him. You know, I think maybe they look at a nose tackle. They look at an Olin McNeil uh, who shows a little bit of like shows a little bit of athleticism at like for 317 can, you know, really kind of push the pocket a little bit, you know, has actually some good pass rush moves. In fact, I think he might at this point in like I think he could probably develop to be one of those more intriguing prospects that like, hey, if you're looking to maybe get a discount Vita Vea, like I know a lot of people liked Vita Vea a few years ago. This is a guy who oh, like. Yeah. like this is a guy who can maybe be that guy in the future. Bobby Brown's a little bit later. Or if they're just looking to take, like, listen, we just need a guy to stop the run on a few downs. Tyler Shelvin out of LSU. I There could not be a pick that I feel safest about than taking Tyler Shelvin out of LSU. And granted, he opted out this year, too. And he measured in this week at, like, 350. He's a big dude. <laughs> <laughs> he's a big. He's not even tall. Well, he's, like, 6'2", 350. Like, that's really, not that tall. It's interesting because the Browns have have Billings, Richardson, Elliott, and and Malik Jackson, you know, on the team. So you wonder if they're, you know, if they're if they're satisfied with these four guys, you know, or if 
because uh, Billings um, and uh, Jackson are, are one-year uh, one-year contracts. Um, Richardson, he only has uh, this will be his last year on his contract too, right? Yeah, the only guy who's uh, who's on under contract for past this year is Jordan Elliott. Yeah, Elliott's got like three, two or three more years on his contract. You know, at, at pretty much nothing. But, um, but yeah, it, it's an interesting point. Is is do they try to bring somebody in, you know, on a on a rookie contract who can play there? Um, well, especially you know, I, given that position's relatively devalued in the NFL. Yeah. Um, they might not spend a premium pick on it, but I could definitely see them like round four. I mean, that would be a totally big target area or even like, cause again, their picks are at the end of round three. You know, if they trade back from round one to round two and they get an extra third round pick. Well, you know, they might these guys s- you're talking about, you know, falls down to them at, you know, at the bottom of three or four. Um, I guarantee it, at least one of them would be value pick. I can almost guarantee. I don't know if I should be guaranteeing stuff like that. I would totally believe all these guys will be there. You know, Tommy no, Togas is another guy who can maybe be that in that area, but he's a little bit lighter. So I don't. I think they might view him more as a three tech because he's like two ninety, but he plays like a nose tackle. Like he he uh, Ohio State guy. He he's he's actually probably a better run defender than Alim McNeil, but like I, I but I don't know if that he's going to translate as well in the NFL. Um, and then a guy who actually they could take in the first round, I could see them taking uh, Christian Barmore uh, out of Alabama because yeah. he's his film was just amazing. Like he he is really an athletic D tackle, very much in a similar mold to uh, Quinn and Williams. Or uh, I um, think that would be a stunner if the Browns took a defensive tackle in the first round. I'm I not mean, saying it won't happen. Um, Andrew Barry's going to take. I think he's going to take the best guy that he can get. <laughs> yeah. Let me put it that way. He's going to take the best guy you can get. I wanted to get your thoughts on linebacker because the Browns are a mystery when it comes to the position of linebacker. <laughs> Do they care? Do they care who's on the board at linebacker? Are they even looking at drafting linebackers? Uh, you know, if, if a great guy's there, are they going to go after him? Or are they going to say, no, we don't need line. We don't need no damn linebackers on our team. You know, a, a lot of people really like um, uh, Zayvon Collins. You know, yes, I've heard his name a lot. Zayvon Collins. They like him. And, you know, I, I've seen him rated anywhere from, you know, being gone before 26 to making it down to the middle of the second round. Um, a lot of people also really like uh, Jeremiah. And I'm going to dive into this. Owosu Karam- Karamoa. Um, J-O-K. Joker. J-O-K. I like it. Um you know, I don't know if he's still going to be there or not at 26. Um, you know, I think a lot of people like both of those guys for the Browns, and I can see where both of those guys would fit well on the team, um, whether they're a position that's the primary need for the Browns and whether the Browns see that as a primary need. You know, it, that's two different things. And and obviously, JOK can do more things than just play linebacker. You know, his versatility, you know, could could be seen as, you know, maybe... He could play slot corner. Like, he yeah, is he... that good where he can go from linebacker to slot corner. He's built like a safety. He is the, the modern-age linebacker. And I like JOK a lot. And I listen, if they took him, be happy. I'm totally happy about that. You know what? They're going to be playing a lot of coverage. They'll figure out the D-line situation. Totally okay with it. Um, I would definitely prefer JOK over Zayvon Collins. I don't think Zayvon Collins fits what this defense does. 
Um, okay. At least not as of right now. I, I could be totally wrong, and Joe Woods might turn around and be like, Walter doesn't know anything. I'm going to be blitzing like crazy this year. <laughs> I, I don't know if that's actually how he sounds, but I'm going to go with it. Um, But, like, so if you have Zayvon Collins on your team, you want to utilize him in a way that you are going to be blitzing more and dropping him into coverage. You, that, those are the things mm-hmm. he did really well. Um, Kind of like Jamie Collins. Like, remember a few years ago, we had Jamie Collins, and Greg Williams didn't know what to do with Jamie Collins. So yeah. Yeah. it was. it's one of those things of he has to go to the right situation. There's a lot of interesting linebackers in this class, and also the hit rate on first-round linebackers is not great. Um, especially yeah. year one, like year one linebackers almost never contribute right away. Um, yeah. you look at Devin Bush and Devin white, it took them a while to even get like Devin Bush. I don't think he's even shown anything yet as far as being a really. linebacker the Steelers took yeah. and, uh, Devin white this year finally caught on. And part of that was, is he has, you know, he had Levante David next to him. Like you have an elite level linebacker next to you already. You're learning from that guy. He's got the high end athleticism. You're kind of like you're able to marry these two types of linebackers. Yeah, and he that, was what they, a top what ten or top ten fifteen pick, yeah. ten, right? It's right around there. Yeah, I think it was a top. Devin White was I think it might have been four. I, Tampa Bay took him high. I do yeah, remember. I know it was really high. Yeah. Um. So with with linebacker, I think they don't value linebacker highly because you look at a guy like Jeremiah Wusukoromoa, he's essentially a safety. Like he's combination mm-hmm. linebacker safety. He just he can do linebacker really well. Like he's a safety who's like, you know what? I'm just gonna be good at things that I shouldn't be good at, and I'm gonna do it anyway. And I'll also be able to drop into coverage and cover a wide receiver. Try that shit out. So I like uh JOK a lot. Um I don't think they go linebacker first round, even if JOK is on the board, because it all listen, it all depends on who's on the board and who they have rated at a certain yeah. spot. If they, you know, like if one say all those DNs are there and it's him and those four DNs, I think they go for one of the four DNs because um, it just the value More that position gonna, need and value, right? Yeah. Yeah. The, the contract value, even the paying a defensive end in the NFL. I mean, you saw what those guys went for this year. Carl Lawson's getting paid 15 million and he oh never played gosh, within yeah. 43% of snaps. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, and that was a guy right. who I wanted them to sign. So, like, it, the money is very crazy at defensive end, so getting a cheap one at a good rate, that's why guys like, you know, the, especially the high upside guys like Jason Owe, and uh, even, like I said before, Joseph Osai has a little bit of upside to him. Those guys are, like, if they hit, they're gold. Like, you're going to have a guy who eventually can develop and be, you know, a, like, A, if they stay with you, they're going to be a 10 year player. If they leave in free agency, you're going to get a comp pick because somebody else is going to pay 15 to 20 million to get them. Yeah. And in the meantime, you're adding to your pass rush. So even if they sign like Jadavian Clowney and they have Jadavian Clowney and uh, Tack McKinley drafting a rookie, now you get to go ahead and have a, a rotation opposite Miles Garrett and you don't have to have Miles Garrett on the field every down. And then, you know, right. for the fifth DN spot, you can have a fight between Curtis Weaver and Porter Gustin. Just have them, like, out-muscle each other, arm-wrestle, do something. Yeah, uh, yeah just see what happens. Yeah. yeah like, we, I mean, camp- we'll find out if, if uh, Curtis Weaver, you know, if he measures up in the NFL, we'll finally find out. So, I mean, um, I'm excited yeah. to see him and where he goes. Uh, yeah. I, think, I, I think one of the things that a lot of people who cover the Browns, the one mistake they keep making, and I think it's just part of being like a Browns fan for all these years, is you don't let good players prevent you from drafting great players. 
Guys who are going to be, you're going to see falling value in this draft class. It's going to happen. They could take two DNs in the first three rounds. I could totally see them doing it. They could take a guy like uh, uh, Jason Owe or a uh, Aziz Ojolari. And then Gregory Rousseau might be there in the third round because his pro day was just that bad and people just feel so mixed on him. Taking him in the third round is is a, a nice spot for a guy who, okay, didn't test great. Uh, maybe needs to develop a little bit more, but eventually can maybe be a Calais Campbell style kind of guy if you you know get him to you know put on a little bit of weight and kind of figure uh, figure out what weight you want him playing at and get figure out what was going on this offseason with him. So I, I think you don't let good players prevent you from drafting great players. Porter Gustin, MJ Stewart, Curtis Weaver, none of those people prevent you from drafting more guys. You know the, yeah, the only guys I agree. Who, the, there's only six guys on the defensive line that probably prevent you from drafting anybody. And that's because you just gave a bunch of them contracts. So I, again, Malik sure. Jackson's not going to be here next year. I think they carry D, 10 defensive linemen going into next year um, between, you know, five D tackles, maybe 11, like I especially if they're going to go cheap on linebacker. Um, and that was, well, like we'll I was see. yeah. See how many they carry. They might only carry five linebackers going into next year because, especially uh, if you're only, if you're playing more safety coverage, if you're doing a lot of more nickel and dime, you need more safeties on your team. So you need more backups. Mm-hmm. If you're playing more three safety, two linebacker. Well, you used to, the old days used to have two, you used to have what, four safeties on your roster and you used to have six linebackers. I could see it where the Browns eventually get to a point where it's the exact opposite because oh, yeah, where it's, it's a reverse of that because you're yeah. playing dime playing nickel you're trying to cover guys and then i think the real trick to that is getting a lot of big interior defensive linemen to slow down the run and that way your guys can play coverage and not have to worry too much about trying to you know you, you'll have solid linebackers who could maybe play on different downs but overall you're, you're really more trying to play coverage and letting your defensive line be the guys to stop the run so i, yeah. I, I getting back to the whole linebacker thing in the first round Xavier Collins, like I said before, probably fits a certain scheme. The hit rate we were talking about before with linebackers in, in the, the first round is not very different than linebackers in the third and fourth round. So yeah. you might as well. Yeah, and right. even, you even look at the, the linebackers for the Browns last year. B.J. Goodson, Malcolm Smith, uh, Sayon Takitaki all rated out actually pretty well last year. Given the, and, and the Browns spent nothing. And then like they kept Malcolm Smith for a one-year, $1 million deal. So like yeah. they they're yeah. still gonna spend cheaply at this position. I don't think it's a plan to to change directions. I could see them going linebacker at the end of the second if the right guy is there, um, like a falling value like a Zayvon Collins. If they say you know what you know what, we can adapt. If we get Zayvon Collins, Collins like yeah, if we get Zayvon yeah. Collins at six, at uh, fifty nine, they might turn around and say you know what, we'll adapt. Um, maybe we'll trade back a little bit, get an extra fourth rounder so we can play around some picks. We'll take them here. We'll draft them. And then we'll see what happens. We'll develop him. He could be a blitz backer. Maybe, maybe he does. But at, at, at 26, that's too high for me where you don't know if he's going to hit. You don't know what the what his utilization is going to be in the defense. Now, if they do it, I wouldn't be shocked and I'd be happy for him. They could do whatever they want. Um, I trust in this team. I trust in their ability to develop. Yeah. But with, with Zayvon yeah. Collins, I think they I, made the call. They interviewed him. They definitely made the call on him. Mm-hmm. But I think part of it is they, you know, guys fall in this draft class. There's going to be guys who are going to be there in at 59 that you weren't expecting. So, yeah, I'd, I'd kind of be surprised if they do go linebacker first round, but, um, you know, man, if they, if they get him at 59 or somewhere in the second round, I think, it, I think, yeah, I think it'd be a no brainer. And there's uh, other I, guys too. Jabril Cox, Jamin Davis, 
Brandon I was going to bring up Jabril Cox. I mean, Jabril Cox, um, people know Baron Browning around here, too. You know, if those guys, one of those guys is available, uh, I don't know if those guys are going to be around in the third round. Um, you know, to me, it makes more sense for the Browns to, to maybe look linebacker in the third or fourth round. You know, but, I totally agree. You know, I, I've said this on, on the podcast before. The Browns have, what, nine picks. The Browns are not going to make nine picks in this draft because they're not going to carry nine rookies on the roster. So they're going to do some moving of picks. They're going to do some trading, you know, either trading out or trading up, trading down, whatever. Um, so I, I can't imagine they're going to make nine picks in this draft. But, um, you know, they're, they're going to. My, they, my it, one it, thing on that is, is that. Day three picks for every every good team. A lot of day three picks never make the team. They're there. They make it to camp. They compete. It's it's an opportunity to get an extra interview for these players. And then sometimes they stick on the practice squad and they come back next year. Like you saw it this year with the Baltimore yeah. Ravens and Geno Stone. They cut the him. They release him. That. Maybe they do that with pretty much everybody, you know, with the fifth, sixth, and seventh rounders, you know. Yeah, that, I think that's what's going to end up happening with those picks. Or the other maneuver is, like you were saying before, they trade out. And what they do is they trade out of the first round, but maybe they go, you know what? We'll even throw in a seventh rounder for a little bit of sweetening of the deal to try to get a deal to close to get a premium pick next year, like, say, a second or a third rounder next year. Because, A, next year's draft class is going to be loaded as well because you had a lot of guys who didn't come out this year who were like, oh, well, I didn't get a lot of tape. I get an extra year of film. I'm going to go back. Yeah, you're right. So let's uh, let's do this to kind of close this thing out. If you had, if you uh, could kind of have your way and have this draft break the way you want it to, give me give me how this would work out for the Browns. Just um, you know, the first however many picks you want to go for the Browns. You know, first first two, three, four picks in this draft. How you uh, like? Who you'd like to see the Browns end up with? So first round. I said it before. If, initially, I wanted Aziz Ojolari or J.C. Horn there. I don't think that's happening anymore. I think those guys are going top 15, top 16 guys, especially because, you know, not Caleb, uh, yeah, J.C. Horn, uh, because of the Caleb Farley injury. So one of those two guys would have been great. If those guys are not there, I I think they trade out um, because I think they're going to have a certain amount of guys on their board. My my dream would be for them to get Aziz Ojolari in the first round, if not J.C. Horn. Um, I wouldn't hate them taking Jason Owe in the first round. I can understand some people being a little bit more squeamish about that than I am. Um, second round, Asante Samuel Jr. If they can get him, if they can get a D end in the first round, who's a relatively good, who could maybe be a good starter for years on end, and Asante Samuel Jr. in the second. I would be like, Yo, we're gonna we're going to the Super Bowl, everybody. This team's gonna be stacked. We're doing it. <laughs> And then, like, again, a D-tackle or a wide receiver in the third-round picks and then, you know, linebacker in the fourth because, I, I again, they signed Anthony Walker. His deal's not that big, though. That, that is, you know, I could see them going yeah. a few different routes. Um, You know, Alim McNeil, if he's there in the third round, I would love him in the third round. Tyler Shelvin in the fourth round, if he's there, or even in the third, I would take Tyler Shelvin. Just the comfortability of knowing you have that big brick of a human being just to stop the run. And can also provide a little bit of pass rush help. So, like, I, I do, he doesn't have a lot of pass rush ability, but every once in a while you'll see a rep and you're like, oh my God, the, the Alabama film of him between him and uh, another guy in this draft class, uh, Landon Dickerson, it's fun. It's like, oh wow, this is a battle of the bands. It's, it's the, yeah. the big center who, by the way, if he fell to the third round because of his ACL issues, 
I, I know we're going to have to eventually replace either Batonio or J.C. Treader in the future. That guy, if he fell far enough to be your next center or guard in line, would be like having two Wyatt Tellers on your team. It would be gold. Like, I would just be like, oh, yeah. I, they could take him well, in the second round. you got to plan ahead. I mean, Treader's got, what, I think two more years on his deal, too. Yeah, but almost, I don't think any of it's guaranteed left. So he could play yeah, this next year and they could trade him next year to a team that needs a center. And like, it's like, sorry, Prez, but we, we need to. And I don't think, like I said, <laughs> I don't think Nick Harris prevents you from drafting anybody. I think he was a solid, you know, a backup kind of guy. Um, no, played out of position no. when he spot started. And like, again, I think. Six around. I mean, yeah, you're not, you're not, uh, you're not married you're not to him. not look at other guys. Yeah, like it's a it's a dating experience. You're, you know, it's a it's early dating too, because again, you like you said, fifth round. Yeah, you know, like those guys don't even make the team some years on, on some teams. Some of the more you know professional big teams, like the Browns, are becoming like that's that's what they are. They're going to be a team that hey, like half the day three guys are not making the team. Everybody taken outside of the fourth round, you're not guaranteed a spot. You might make the practice squad if you're lucky. So right. I, I think you know they could look center. Uh, if, if a good one falls, like a Creed Humphrey or Landon Dickerson, I know they actually interviewed uh, Quinn Morantz, who is a uh, who who whose draft stock just like it blew up because of uh, uh, the his Senior Bowl. Uh, he's coming out of uh, I think uh, Whitewater, and he's got some solid tape. And his Senior Bowl was amazing. His pro day numbers were great. Um, that's a guy who like if you're replacing J.C. Treader in the future. He, he mm-hmm. didn't really play center in college, but he played it at the senior bowl and got a lot of snaps in of doing it and taught himself how to do it. So I'd be intrigued with maybe getting him in the third or fourth round if he was somewhere available for them, because now you now have like the heir apparent to either left guard or center. Uh, you don't have to worry about Nick Harris being the guy that you're relying on, who is kind of an OK guy, but like isn't doesn't he, like, even if you looked at the offensive lineman, he doesn't look like the rest of the offensive lineman. He's a little bit shorter. He's a little hey, bit stubbier. He's he's like six foot. Um, yeah, yeah, and he's just they not still might big. too. Like it's not like you're banned from keeping a, a guy because he's he's six foot one center, but like if you yeah. got a guy yeah. who's an improvement, and I guess they still have Michael Dunn and uh, Blake Hans on the roster who have played who played really well in their spot starts in the playoffs. So offensive line, I think after that they're set. Maybe they look at swing tackle because you got to realize you know you Hubbard might not play next year. Like I don't yeah, know. I think, I think tackle is a spot that they could definitely look at in the draft. Uh, you know, I don't know if they're if they'll uh, if they're still going to look at that in free agency or not. But they, I mean, they need a swing tackle. They really do. Yeah, I don't, they know, lost like said, I don't know if Hubbard's playing. Yeah, they lost. They, I think that's why they extended Blake Hans. So they must feel like he can maybe yeah. do it. But again, you know, his I don't know how much of his deal is really all that guaranteed anyway, because I think it's a, a one point two million dollar two year deal. They might look at him and go, you know what, we'll keep him into next year. We'll see what happens. Uh, he'll be one of yeah, our Drew depth Forbes guys. Too. He's, I mean, I think he's listed more as a guard, but I think he's a guy who could potentially play anywhere, too. So, yeah. Um, so I, I think, think again, he opted a- out last season. So uh, they got some interesting spots. Um, so, you know, I think it's kind of a mystery as to, you know, some of the spots are going to go. I think, but I think what they've done well is position themselves to where they can take the best players. <laughs> yes. And by the way, I was talking to my cousin who's a Broncos fan. I'm telling him like, yo, I just want them to do one more thing in free agency. Like, Dude, teams are allowed to have flaws. You can go into the draft having a need. I'm like, no, we're the Browns. We're better than that, sir. And he's just like, uh, what? <laughs> That's great. Which, 
it's like, I, that's where we're at now. The Browns are better than that. We are going to be the team that ha- that does not have flaws. We're just going to keep drafting well and building depth and taking the best player available. And I love that. And I, I, mean, I, I like this team so much. I like watching it so much. I, I Everything about this team is just starting to gel so well. You know, every, and like I was saying before, the, during the season, you saw them face adversity so well. And just come back time and time again. Although, and the playoff game against Pittsburgh was the like the pinnacle of it. It was the proof that this team is here to stay. You know, and, and the Steelers are kind of on their way out. Like they 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 have to kind of like they're at the point where they're trying to learn how to cope. Yeah, yeah, they are definitely. Well, we've uh, we've been going a while here. So I, I apologize. Think... This happens when it's I talk all right. about the it happens. <laughs> I get excited. It's, a, it's been guess. fun. It's been thank fun. You. It's, it's been very fun. I, I thank you yeah. for having me on. I really enjoyed this. Absolutely. That's that's uh, Walter Deptich Wojo. You can follow him at Brojo Death Punch. We didn't even get to talk about the the meaning behind that yes, Twitter uh, handle. B R O J O. Death is in the end of life. Punch like a delicious drink you drink in the summer, kind of like the beer you were drinking. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was a good beer. I enjoyed it thoroughly. So I'm glad. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> honestly the Twitter handles actually based off of uh, the Wojo Deptich thing, and a friend of mine kind of like turned that into a thing. Like he's like, oh, like uh, Brojo Death Punch. It was just like a nickname that came off of a nickname. It's like, oh well, now I gotta keep this. Like I, back when I was doing video work, I'm like, I gotta like name what I'm doing. I had to come up with something. So I stuck with Brojo Death Punch over the years as like a, a remembrance of that one guy. Gotcha. Well, that's pretty cool. That's pretty Thanks. cool. Well, this has been do, fun. Yeah. Uh, I, and I also do, uh, I, I'm on a couple of shows. Uh, one show I'm on weekly is called Face Off of Face Mirror. And it's a call-in show. And it's, uh, I, I, I guess I kind of co-host now. It's been a year of me being on this show consistently. So I think I'm a co-host. But uh, but I initially I was a guest on it. And she just like pulled me in. And she's like, hey, do you want to like come guest host some more? And then we started doing interviews and things like that. And that's generally a call-in show that she runs. And that's on Thursdays at six o'clock, uh, face off of face mirror, Brenda face mirror. it's like an internet radio show. And then I, I do my own, I post stuff on my YouTube. So if you look up Rojo death punch in the YouTube, you'll see my channel pop up and you'll be like, Oh, he talks football on here too. And then it's like, Oh my God, he's a ginger. Get out of here. I got to block him now. God damn it. So. Excellent. Gingerish anyway. Gotcha. My family's well- way more ginger than I am. <laughs> Well, glad you got that stuff out there, so everybody can uh, can check that out and give you a follow on Twitter. Uh, it's Thank been you. a lot of fun. Uh, this has been the Browns Blitz, and we will catch you next time.